Welcome to On Thursdays We Thrive podcast. We are licensed therapists here on Long Island, New York. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to anyone considering starting therapy and to fight the stigma of mental health through a millennial lens. Even though we are licensed therapists, our podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not a replacement for individual psychotherapy. To book a session with us, head on down to longislandteletherapy.com. So have a seat and get ready to thrive, learn, explore, and grow with us. Welcome back to another episode of On Thursdays We Thrive. I'm Liana. And I'm Sam. And today we're continuing our conversation from last week's episode about attachment styles and how it can impact our individual selves as well as relationships. So we're going to be talking about disorganized attachment and secure attachment. But before we get to that, let's get into some of our glows and grows. Sam, what is your glow and grow this week? Okay, so my grow is overall learning. I mean, of course we know this, but to actually learn to accept it is that um, we can only control things that we can. So kind of like letting go of the things that we can't control, kind of letting whatever you believe in fate God, whatever it is, the universe kind of take hold of that and trying to like, let go of it um, and stop trying to force things to happen. Just kind of ease it. (laughs) Um, My glow is that I've been able to um, often turn more to supports in my life. So that was, it's reassuring to, you know, have reminders of people in your life and just taking new steps to enhance my mental health. That's amazing. It's two really good things for your mental health. The, I always, for myself and like people I work with, I always stress the importance of like, okay, what do I have control over? What do I not? And it takes a lot of acceptance because as humans, we want to control everything, especially when we have anxiety and it takes a lot to like pause and recognize like, okay, what do I have control over in this situation? Yeah. Right. That anxiety really takes hold of that for us sometimes. And again, these are things that we preach all the time, way easier said to other people, but for ourselves, we're like, Oh, there it is again. Always. So what is your glow and grow? So my glow is last weekend. I actually, uh, signed a contract to lease a new car. My lease is, yeah, my lease is up. I got, I, I posted on my story for recommendations and like, I'm a very good haggler. So, and going into a dealership is very stressful as anyone would know and tiring, but I felt like very empowered because I'm able to negotiate. So I was very proud of myself and I'm excited for the new car. It's coming at the end of the month. And, um, my grow is yesterday. I did a presentation for a group of school social workers and I was very anxious about it. Um, so I haven't publicly spoke in person in a very long time as most of us probably haven't. And, and everyone kept telling me like, it'll be okay. You're, you're being so hard on yourself. And like, I was actually able to use some of the coping skills that of course I read about and encourage other people and like doing deep breathing and doing like this butterfly tapping exercise that helps relax your nervous system. And it really did help. Um, because our bodies, even though our minds can be like, nah, we're good. I'm chill. Our bodies. I know I get Oh yeah. Yeah. So shaking. So shaky. <laughs> and like, I almost want to throw up. So I want yeah. to continue using that, uh, 
just in like daily life, even if I'm not even going to something that's going to make me anxious, you know? No, that's so important. And it's again, another thing that we tell people all the time. And then once we start realizing, oh, me too. (laughs) And we're like, wow, this is actually helpful. And we, you know, we do it for ourselves. But like you said, we can get up to the front of the room and all of a sudden our cards are shaking in our hands and we're like, oh, I'm not chill. (laughs) I know. You think I'm going to cry. Yeah. You're like, like, oh, okay. never mind. Oh, it's the worst. No, that's really great. I'm glad you're able to overcome that and congrats on your to be new car. Oh, thanks. That's that's exciting. Yeah. I love that stuff. When we come back, we're going to get into what disorganized attachment style looks like, how it comes about and shows and presents itself and secure attachment. So disorganized attachment style is actually a mixture of avoidant and anxious. And it's known to be actually the most extreme of the insecure attachment styles. And sometimes it's known as like the forgotten attachment style. So it's hypothesized to be an outcome of like abuse and trauma in childhood, but also from, you know, and I will get into this, but lack of emotional support, inconsistent emotional support. So, I want to review how this can show up for self-talk in a person just to help Mm -hmm. us understand a little bit of how it can look. So we call this a lot of times in therapy, our core belief, meaning like our belief within ourself. So it's unconscious most of the time, this core belief of ourself. So that might be for someone with disorganized attachment. People can't be trusted. Nobody is safe. I'm always under attack. That might be our core belief and how we base other things around us. The vulnerability in someone is something that I might say is I feel rejected, alone, and attacked. I'm in danger. Mm. My protective feeling is what we're going to identify is numb or enraged. Mm, Two opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. And the behavior from this is going to extreme, to an extreme of like fighting hard, running away, shutting down, becoming um, destructive or dissociated. So it's kind of showing how our core belief of this, of I can't, people can't be trusted in general. Nobody's safe. I'm under attack is um, piggybacking off of and affecting the way our behavior is in that way. That makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like the person would be in like a fight or or flight response most of the time. Exactly. So how does this kind of come to be, right? Like something so extreme like this. And it's actually, you know, we, Sam and I have seen this for sure. And a lot of people we work with. So for example, it stems from an attachment figure, a parent or a guardian that we grow up with and, or who we had a really close relationship with and a close hand in helping raise us as we're growing up. And the big picture here is that there is, there was an inconsistent emotional support or abuse, So this can include verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, or if let's say we witness an attachment figure like our parent committing a traumatizing act, um, a violent act, such as let's say one of our uh, parents abusing the other parent. Um, And so what I've seen a lot in how this impacts us now is the need to be 
to have this belonging, mm-hmm. to love and connect with others, um, and the need to survive. So we see a lot of individuals be in like survival mode and to mm-hmm. protect oneself. So it's yearning for that love and belonging, but also really difficulty in 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 obtaining that love and belonging and accepting that love and belonging. Yeah. No, definitely. And then you know, fast forward into how that can show into relationships is someone with disorganized attachment may often fear like what that other person is doing and going on. So like that anxious attachment, Mm -hmm. um, they have anxiety when forming intimate relationships and suffer from a negative self-image and extreme like damaging negative self-talk. They often feel intense loneliness, right? Because of a major want for genuine connection, but then stress and have a stressful fear response linked to that want causing them to like push the actual person away. So we want them so bad because we're anxious and we're doubting ourselves, and then we finally get them. And then, uh, I can't do this. This is not going to work for me. So someone may say, I don't understand what's happening inside of me. Like, how can I feel so much rage toward you? But at the same time, I'm so afraid you're going to leave me like go Mm -hmm. away, but come back. Damn. That's like really, it's really frustrating. And we can see how the anxiety, like the anxious attachment comes up in this and also the avoidant, which is why disorganized is a mix of both. Um, So they'll be pulling away. They will be, they'll be fearing rejection, um, but yet they want it so badly. And let's say if someone does let them down and, and does end up leaving them, they'll of course say, well, I told you so this person left me because they were kind of like building up for this to happen. Right. Like, and also that when we mentioned earlier that it can show up in like in rage and anger and stuff like that, it's like, they're pushing that person away because they're so that we call that a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's also with that, it's, it's like, we want to be again, like the overly independence Mm -hmm. and that because, oh, well it's easy, quote unquote, easier to be independent, only rely on myself because I don't have to risk or be vulnerable to Mm -hmm. someone else possibly hurting me or being abandoned, especially if there was some abandonment issues growing up. Um, and so just avoiding that embarrassment or shame, like I'm just hearing shame in regards to all of this or any type of negative emotion or emotion or the relationship ending. So it's really like out of effort to avoid any type of like negative emotion, rejection. And of course, no one wants that, like who does, but it's like to the extreme of pushing people who are probably really healthy. It could be someone really, really helpful in their lives. Right. And, you know, even though a potential partner without disorganized attachment could be expressing like genuine interest, like I love you, I care about you, things like that. Um, The person with disorganized attachment starts getting suspicious about that, um, about being happy and in that moment. And it's causing them to like make the other person lose interest because they're never Mm. being open to trusting that. And they're and the person with disorganized attachment thinks that this is like reinforcing that negative belief, like, see, they're leaving. So like we said earlier, and then connecting to I'm unwanted and I'm unlovable. Yeah. It like reinstates that negative core belief. Um, yeah. Again, like that self, self fulfilling prophecy. Right. So let's move into secure attachment. Um, 
tell us, Sam, what are some self-talk around like secure attachment? Okay. So just like we had done with this disorganized attachment, we're going to do the same thing for secure. So the unconscious core belief that we are talking about with disorganized for secure, it's actually, I'm worthy of appreciation. So this is a temporary state, which can be repaired. So we're still acknowledging that we have these feelings Mm -hmm. that can come about. They're not so severe, but we're acknowledging, okay, they're here, but I'm still worthy of appreciation. And this is not going to last forever. That vulnerability in this case is my feelings are hurt, but I trust that I'm safe. So now we're feeling safe. I know that I'm safe here. I'm still feeling hurt though. Yeah. Protective feeling is I'm, you know, uncomfortable and I'm concerned and we can acknowledge that the behavior is I'm actually going to talk about it and express those feelings. And I'm going to try to seek reconnection and resolution, not avoid and isolate myself. So healthy. (laughs) Yeah. It's very healthy. (laughs) It's very healthy. Um, And the individual, you know, we're able to see ourselves as valuable and worthy of love and respect. I can validate my own feelings and thoughts and experiences. I'm able to show up for myself through proper self-care. I can reach out to others for support um, because, you know, I, I want that from other people that I don't need to just rely on a partner for doing that. And I'm able to set healthy boundaries with myself and others. So I'm able to acknowledge that when I'm upset, I have skills to comfort myself and regulate. Yeah. And what I'm hearing here is that like, it's the same action of risking being vulnerable, Yeah, but it's accepting that like, I don't know the outcome and that's okay. And so if I do get hurt, I will be okay. Right. And so how does this show up in a relationship? I know one piece for me that, that I've seen is that, um, like an, a person with secure attachment will say like, if let's say this person's not interested in me anymore, like that's okay. Mm. Right. Like I know I'll meet someone who (laughs) will be interested. Right. And acknowledging that it still can hurt, right. It doesn't mean that we don't miss someone or we're not like, um, sad that they're not going to be in my life, but we know that we're going to be okay because we have that, we have a different core belief in ourselves. Right. Like I'm enough on my own. And like, Mm. there's this big belief that like, when we find a partner, it's their, it's like, we're not whole until like that person comes along in their other half. But mm-hmm. I think it's really important that someone with a secure attachment would believe I am a whole person and I'm really good on my own, but this person is a great addition to who I am. Right. Like feeling that when they're going through something that they have equal support, um, that that person's helping them grow, right. That they're able to be comforted by that partner. And that, like you're saying, we're working as a team that it's not, I'm dependent on you or you need me. Yes. yes. But we can use each other to continue this growth. It's, it's like, it's without like a control balance of what am I trying Mm -hmm. to say? Like, you know what I mean? Kind Mm -hmm. of this power and control, like that's not a conducive relationship in a healthy, secure relationship. There's everyone's equal. Our partners are equal to us. And, you know, just acknowledging, like we keep saying, because I want to keep bringing it back to, because there's a secure attachment style or a secure relationship, it doesn't mean that we don't have these worries and we don't have problems in a relationship. And we don't have anxiety. Right. That's very different. 
So without feeling like acknowledging that without feeling a hundred percent insecure in my relationship, I know it's possible for us to work through it. I know that I have this person um, that can meet my needs some of the time. Yeah. And they can meet some of my needs that they don't need to, that it's impossible for them to meet every single need all of the time that they're allowed to have their life and I'm allowed to have mine. Yeah. And we're kind of separating that. So, um, none of them are perfect, but knowing that it's good enough mm-hmm. and we all have different ways of being there for one another. And I also think secure attachment doesn't mean that the partners spend every waking second together. Right. Like I think that could also come to mind, but in, in this, oh, I can't speak instead, a secure relationship or a secure attachment in a relationship would look like having a healthy balance, like you said, of spending time together, but also doing what they like to do on their own and having their own friendships, having their own community involvement, having their own hobbies, and then coming back together um, without the anxiety, without the fear of getting close and just reconnecting. Right. We're not living for the life of the other person. Mm. And that, you know, leads into that codependent relationship um, one way or another. We grow resentment that way. So we're going to talk a little bit about how to heal these wounds and ways that we can kind of work toward secure attachment. So the big question here is, okay, how do we get to a place of secure attachment? How do I, where do I start? How do I even work on this? For me, and I think for us too, I think a lot of this has to do with our individual histories, backgrounds, attachment styles, and each partner does have to make a decision to be open to healing, right? Like if, if let's say we have a partner, two partners that don't have secure attachment, we have to heal together and we have to be consistent for that. And I do think it's important that an individual, let's say, gets therapy of their own to work on some of their individual issues and then also work with their partner to work on some of the relationship issues. Right. Um, And and it's also about creating a new type of relationship. Like we've talked about in our infidelity episode of creating new activities, doing new things. And it's like, if we're trying to rebuild a relationship because of this insecure attachment, It's about repeating new experiences and in order for the trust to be built and creating consistency. Right. Because these wounds within a relationship, like you're saying, come from the past, most likely, right? Or within the relationship, and now we have to rebuild. So we, one, need to be open, right, to making this change individually and then together because it's different just doing the work on your own. We need to be able to conjoin what we're working on together to continue to grow. And these wounds can look like um, lack of trust, lack of communication, inconsistent, emotional security, um, you know, not allowing the partner to feel heard and validated. So I think it's really important to, one, we need to be open to do it. So again, we can't force the other person to Mm want to heal this. They really need, because it's like you said, the consistency and commitment to keeping that consistent is a huge thing. We need to create these new relationships. And like we said, in our infidelity episode, we're able to kind of rebirth our relationship, but only if we stay consistent with that. So communication is so important. 
um, that the person who maybe be, I'll call them the wounding partner. Mm -hmm. um, they're not making excuses for this anymore. Like they're able to validate the other person's feelings and allow them to feel heard. That's so important. Yes. And like expressing that pain surrounding the event and just having like vulnerability. So this is how I was impacted is something we might say. Mm -hmm. This is how I was angry. Not you're a monster. You ruined my life. Right. There's a difference there. So this is how I was impacted. So we sometimes say like, I feel statements. Sometimes that feels Mm -hmm. a little unnatural. So we can say like, this is how I was angry. This is why I was angry. And Brene Brown does in her special, she was talking about like the story I tell myself is, is that even if we have a uh, intrusive thought or an irrational thought that is attributing to the unhealthy, the um, insecure attachment style, we can literally just voice that to our partner. Even if we know it's probably our insecure attachment style talking to us, Mm -hmm. we can say the story I'm telling myself is that you're mad at me because of X, Y, and Z. Just Mm -hmm. voicing that because then we're allowing our partner to share what the rational side of that is. Like, no, I'm not mad at you. This is what actually was going on. Or this is what I was feeling, right? Instead of sitting with that and harboring on some of those intrusive and irrational thoughts, just getting them out there, even if you know, we are having trouble not judging ourselves for them. Like let's remove the judgment and instead approach it with curiosity and put it out there to confront some of those thoughts. We're trying to change the way we view um, relationships and trust. Right. And something that I've noticed that people, I think don't always know that they're doing. I think they're trying to like bring to awareness of how they feel about themselves and make the other person understand that they're feeling low about themselves maybe, but by saying, I'm such a loser, you know, if I wasn't Mm -hmm. this way, then this wouldn't happen. And, you know, they're kind of self-sabotaging in that way, but actually by doing that, we're not working together anymore. It's not about us. Mm -hmm. We're making it kind of about you. And again, we don't always realize that we're doing this. We're kind of just used to self-sabotage and putting ourselves down. So, um, you know, saying, I hear how much this hurt you. And I want to let you know, I'm right here. And that, trust me, I I can understand that being very hard if Mm -hmm. we're not used to doing that. But like everything else, and Liana, we always say that consistency, practice Mm -hmm. with things, it makes it easier. Not expecting our partner to just get over it, right? Um, We can't speed up the process Mm -hmm. of this recovery and healing with anything. And we're trying to make the problem go away faster, right? Let's just move on. Let's just pretend this didn't happen. Right. And it'll really just do the opposite. It will. And and hearing all of this, like, like we were saying, it's much easier said than done, but I think it also shows the importance and benefit of working with a therapist if, mm-hmm. if we're able to. Um, I know it's a lot of work that we do with individuals about repairing some of those attachment wounds and looking at past traumas and how to build healthier relationships because we don't know until a lot of times it's impacting our life to an unmanageable way or someone else is pointing it out. Right. Right. And then we're like, Oh my God, I've been living this way for like 20 years, which is totally okay. Right. Like that's okay. We don't have to have shame around it, but now we can develop tools to move forward. Right. We might think, Oh my gosh, there's so many problems in this relationship. And it's like, or have you just been alone for a little bit? And now we Mm -hmm. have a partner reflecting this off. So now we're, we have to work as a team and now our 
feelings are coming up to the surface and we're acknowledging those things. So, or, you know, in our past relationships, this just wasn't brought about. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, working with the therapist and being able to identify these things is so important and overall commitment. Yes. And all couples are affected differently. Yep. Um, so some are more easily repaired than others, but overall the message is that it takes two. (laughs) Totally. Totally. So how do we improve emotional connection through disorganized attachment? So in our other episodes, we talked about how to improve emotional connections through our anxious and avoidant attachment. So with disorganized, we're learning emotional self-regulation skills. So this is like independently, what can we control, right? Mm -hmm. Learning to be curious about your own inner world and that of others. And learning how to recognize when we're safe with others Mm -hmm. and when we're not, right? Like we can sometimes feel those physical symptoms and that could be attached to some sort of trauma that happened to our past. And so doing the work with a therapist, as we recommend of disconnecting our bodies and our minds of saying like, we're not safe when we really are, you know, sometimes our body doesn't know the difference between being with our abuser and being with a trusted partner. And it might not be at the forefront of like, cause I can already kind of predict how some people might be hearing this of, well, I don't think in my head, I'm not safe from my partner. They're yeah. not going to, but it's that what our, how our body reacts, like our fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. I think Liana, you brought it up earlier, but it's how our body responds to, if we were under attack, like we're defensive, we're ready to prowl, yes. kinda, you know, um, So we're learning how to set and accept healthy boundaries, which is not Mm -hmm. easy to do if we haven't done so. And understanding that we're, again, trying to work as a team with that. Yeah. Yeah. There's rigid, porous, and healthy boundaries. Um, When it comes to those, rigid could be like, if let's say someone does us wrong, we cut them off, we ghost them. Mm. Porous might be they do us wrong and we're like, it's okay. Don't worry about it, but we're really hurting inside and healthy might be, you know, saying, you know what, I'm going to disconnect from them for a little bit, but, or at least I'm going to share with them how that made me feel. So it's kind of like finding that in between. Right. Exactly. I think that was a great point to clarify that. Um, so when we're doing these things overall, we're allowing space for true connection. And understanding and asking ourselves, has the ways in which I've been handling situations, has that been working for us and yeah. myself? And if we are kind of saying no, okay, we need to try something new. And it starts with healing ourselves and working toward that first and foremost. Yes. And, and you know, it's interesting. It's not even just intimate relationships, but I've worked with individuals who really need help with extended family members and boundaries with them and attachments from them because of past Mm -hmm. trauma. Um, especially as we kind of grow into being an adult and develop our own sense of self. Um, it's just relationships in life. This is very, uh, good insight. So overall we, you know, are going to be able to identify this for ourselves. So when we come back, we're going to get into some rapid fire. Rapid fire.
Okay, so rapid fire time. Just like last time in last week's episode, we were talking about, you know, certain public figures and their attachment styles. And one that came to our minds was, you know, the movie, The Notebook, of course, as we all, especially millennials know. And we were, me and Sam were talking about this and we're like, oh my God, Allie is disorganized. Mm -hmm. And Noah, I think, we think is secure. Right. Because- From what we can mm -hmm. tell from just the movie. (laughs) What was that? Is it just from what we remember and can tell from the movie? Yes. Yes, because I haven't seen it in a little bit. I mean, there was a point I was watching it a lot because it was on TV a lot. But Allie, you know, she is, she's wanting to be with Noah, but she's also pulled in this direction to be with, you know, the guy that her parents approve of. And so like right. one, one day she's like fiending over Noah and then the other day she's running away from him and like doesn't want to get too close to him because of what's happened in the past in their relationship. And Noah puts it all out there. He's like, right. Allie, if you don't choose me, like, are you going to choose me or not? Tell me. Right. He's you okay. Know? He's upset, right? Again, yes. this is here. He, he's acknowledging he's upset that she was maybe choosing someone else, but he was like, all right, like I'm, I'm able to move on from this. I'm going to be okay because he's, yes. he's been working on himself his whole life as right. He's we been know building that. his house and working yeah. on himself. He <laughs> He's been building that house. He's independent. But not in an avoidant way. Yeah, not in an avoidant way. Right. He's able to, because like you said, he's able to tell her exactly how he feels. He works for her. But then when she is like, all right, I'm going to choose someone else. He's all right. All right. Well, I guess I can't. There's nothing I can do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So cool when you think of these attachment styles and you think yeah. of all these movies and characters and it's like, whoa. There's also FYI how therapists watch shows and yeah. start dying, not like noticing everything of what's going on. We can't just watch a movie or a show. Yo, like I know watching Love is Blind season two, I couldn't turn my brain off. I yeah. was like, oh my God, I just need to have a session with all these people. Yeah. <laughs> Come into my office for a second. Yeah. And then, so the next people, uh, we were talking about Friends, right? The show Friends. Yeah. It's kind of hard to identify because there's so many like inconsistent things that are going on. Yeah. Overall, they have an insecure relationship. Let's say Ross and Rachel. Yeah. Right. And Liana and I were trying to remember, honestly, if like she, if Rachel got like anxious through different women that he was seeing, but I think it was more so after the cheating. Yeah, that, that that was occurring that she was like oh who are you with you know what's going on and they were trying to rebuild each other but she could never get over the past wound that we were mentioning earlier yeah those wounds and you know he was also getting anxious at points and they were just kind of um insecure as a whole they were they really were I mean there was this whole back and forth and and then we were looking at some of the other characters and Chandler and Monica, I feel like are very different alone versus together. And like when they're together, I thought fi- fi- we found them pretty secure. Yeah. Yeah. They were pretty secure. I would say at least unless I'm missing something, but they seemed like they had, um, you know, the same push, the same pull and effort within the relationship and also able to independently, like when Chandler left, like for London, Yes. Or was it London? I don't even remember for a job. Like he was able to just go. And then Monica was saying, I mean, it was hard for them. Mm -hmm. They were able to kind of like do that. Um, There was times in which like Monica's ex would come up 
Oh yeah. I think they heard like a recording of their like Tate or something like that. And he was able to just like, they made a joke out of it type thing, but like able to move on and have a good night the rest of the night. So I really would say that they had a secure relationship and Monica had to overcome all of her self-confidence issues throughout her childhood. Yes. And Chandler, you know, uses a lot of humor and things like, so he's more outgoing, you know, so it really, I don't know. I, I would say they're really secure for that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I forgot about like her childhood and when she was like in a bigger body and how she got treated and then yeah. like now and relationship. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> Oh, I mean, we love this topic. We'll probably be doing some more stuff on this when it comes to either like trauma or like, it's just so cool to see how things that happened to us as a child and how they impact us now as adults. It really, it's so important to learn about because identifying an attachment style is going to help us identify how we can help ourselves. And it, you know, I know um, a lot of people, focus on a label of something, but that's not what this is. It's not just going around. I have anxious, I have avoidant, I've disorganized on mm-hmm. this and that. It's like, okay, well, what do we want to do with this information? Right. How is it not serving us? How, you know, what is serving us? Um, and what can I, because it does take a lot of work. It really yeah. does. I work on that with a lot of my clients. Yeah. Um, so this was awesome. I hope we hope you guys enjoyed and remember, you can email us at Thursdays at goodingwellness.com. Follow us on Instagram on Thursdays We Thrive. And we'll, we'll see, see you next Thursday. See you then. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of On Thursdays We Thrive. We love learning and growing with you each Thursday. If you enjoy listening to us, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. To connect with us on Instagram, you can follow at On Thursdays We Thrive. On Thursdays We Thrive is a partnership between Liana Ross, Sam Triani, and Gooding Wellness, LCSWPC. If you are in New York and would like to speak with a therapist directly or to one of us, head on down to longislandteletherapy.com or goodingwellness.com. Keep thriving.